Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. You know what the litmus test is going to be for people to know that you're my disciple? It's not going to be the fish on the back of your car, the size of the Bible that you bring to church, none of that. It's going to be evidenced by your love, your compassion, your kindness, your gentleness towards other people. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Philippians. Pastor J.D. talks today about how we Christians are called to live our lives. It's easy to get caught up in our own desires and selfish ambitions, but that's not our purpose. We're meant to set ourselves apart through our kindness and humility. Don't think of it as weakness. Pride may make you feel strong, but only in this temporary world. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in Philippians chapter 2 as he continues his message. Humility is the answer. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. (laughs) I kind of think if James was alive today and he had a church and... (laughs) Boy. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. And then he says this, verse 10, Humble yourselves before the Lord, and He will lift you up. I know for me, and again, I, you'll forgive the personal reference, but I actually have a degree in pride. <laughs> I'm a professional when it comes to pride. I can tell you a lot about pride because <laughs> I know a thing or two about pride. And to me, I think of the Lord saying, humble yourself and I will lift you up. I think of it this way. He says to me, J.D., humble yourself in the sight of the Lord or I will do it for you. (laughs) Oh boy. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 10 says this, By pride comes nothing but strife. Did you hear that? Pride breeds strife. Pride is the source of quarreling and fighting and arguing and conflict, but with the well-advised is wisdom. Proverbs 11.2 When pride comes, then comes shame, but with the humble is wisdom. I love these contrasting psalms. Because here you have the contrast of what pride creates and pride brings, contrasted with what, on the other side of that, humility brings. Humility brings wisdom. Pride brings foolishness. Humility brings peace and harmony. Pride brings conflict and fighting. Wars. 
conflicts. One of the things that I'm learning in my own life is when I humble myself before the Lord and before other people, all pride-fueled contention is ultimately dismantled. I'll just share by way of an example in my marriage, because as you know, as a pastor, I have a perfect marriage. My wife will be in second service, and I won't be sharing that second service. So, But when we have, I'm going to use the word marital conflict, but I'm also going to couch it in terms, as one pastor uh, called it, intense fellowship. Intense fellowship. And here I am, refusing to humble myself and admit I was rude. Remember the Fonz and the happy days? You young people have no idea what I'm talking about, but he could never, I mean, it was, just, it was incapable, really impossible of even coming out of his mouth. And that's pride. When I'm so full of myself, I will refuse. It is impossible for me to admit I was wrong. I'm not going to say I'm sorry. She needs to say she's sorry. Come on, let's be honest with her. Why are you looking at me like that? Right? Me? What about you? That's the pot calling the kettle black. And how about those two words that you should never use in any marital conflict? The two words? Always and never. Let me fill in the blanks. You always. You never. You. What about me? I'll never forget. This was (laughs) many years ago. My wife and I have been married for 30 years. This was relatively early on in our marriage. We were just having this, I mean, fight, okay? Let's just call it what it is. I mean, we are just laying into each other and yelling at each other and pointing the finger at each other. You never, you always. And in a rare moment (laughs) for me at the time, of the conviction of the Holy Spirit, I just thought, wait a minute, stop. And I humble myself, and I said to my wife, Honey, I am so sorry. You're right. To which she responded, No, you can't do that. I'm going to do that first. It's very competitive. Then we fought about who was going to humble themselves first. You can't humble yourself before. I humble myself first. Think about this. And maybe you can remember a time in your life when this happened to you. But in that instant, in that moment, when I just humble myself and said I was sorry, It just changed the whole dynamic instantly. And, you know, I 
I always know I've made a very good decision when my only regret is that I didn't do it sooner. And it was at that moment where I realized, wow, I wish I would have said I'm sorry sooner because I could have avoided all of this grief and, you know, anger and, and make no mistake about it. It can really do damage to a relationship. And it was in that moment when I just humbled myself, I thought to myself, wow, I'm onto something here. <laughs> Nothing new under the sun. This is what God's been trying to get through to me all along. Humility is the answer. See, here's the thing. When I'm full of pride, here's what I'm saying. And you can apply it to whatever your situation is by way of personal application, whether it's in the marriage relationship or family relationship or whatever the, the dynamic is. But when I'm full of pride, what I'm saying is, is that I am more important than you. My rights are more important than your rights. I fancy myself as being better than you. I think of myself more highly than I ought. And what happens is I then, as a result, will look down on other people. I have to confess, and I have confessed, that this is a a struggle for me personally when it comes to traffic. Why are you still looking at me like that? (laughs) I mean, here's what happens when I'm in traffic and I'm in a hurry. Doesn't that driver that just cut me off and is going really slow, like below the speed limit, which is like anathema, don't they know that I have to get somewhere? What am I saying? My time is more important than yours. They have to get somewhere too. I'm looking over here at Paula. Paula, I don't do that anymore. This was a long time ago on the mainland. I'm, I'm a very good law-abiding citizen. <laughs> but that's what pride does. You elevate yourself. You exalt yourself. And in so doing, you look down on other people. I like how one Bible commentator said it. If we looked into people instead of down on people, we would be filled with compassion for people. I was thinking about this this morning, having returned from the Israel trip, and just being so blessed by getting to know people, and to hear their stories, and some of their stories are just, I mean, wow. And you just have such compassion for them because of some of the things that they've been through and that God is bringing them through. I mean, intense stuff, man. One sister in Christ shared with me about how several months prior to the Israel trip, her son committed suicide. I'll tell you, (laughs) that's where the rubber meets the road. You know, I think it was Oswald Chambers that said once that if you could actually walk in the shoes of another and experience what 
they were going through, you would be so much kinder to them. You'd have so much more compassion for them. And that's what humility brings. Humility brings with it this compassion for other people. And this is really one of three reasons in our text that humility is the answer to many of the problems that we have in our interpersonal relationships. In verses 1 and 2, Paul says that the Philippians would actually make his joy complete. He has joy. He just wants that joy to be full and complete. How can they do that? By their love. Get this one. Tenderness and compassion for each other. What did Jesus say? You know what the litmus test is going to be for people to know that you're my disciple? It's not going to be the fish on the back of your car, the size of the Bible that you bring to church. None of that. It's going to be evidenced by your love, your compassion, your kindness, your gentleness towards other people. If you only knew what they're struggling with. And of course, they're not going to feel safe sharing that with you. You would be so much more compassionate towards them, considerate of them. In order to have this compassion, there has to be first this, this love, and that's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And this is why Paul says, be one in spirit and be of one mind. But in order for us to have this love and be of one spirit and one mind, we must first humble ourselves. Absent this humility, we will never taste from the cup of joy that brings with it this tenderness, love, and compassion for others. You know how it is that when you're compassionate and gentle and tender and loving towards another, doesn't it just bless your heart? Did you ever stop to think that maybe that's the way God wired us? I mean, an act of kindness. I was, ah, this is another topic for another time, but I was just thinking about kindness, being kind, acts of kindness. You do something that's just benevolent and kind, out of compassion for someone, and oh, it's more blessed to give than it is to be on the receiving end of that. Because that's how God made us. This brings us to the second one in verses 3 and 4. And it's that of valuing others. See, again, with pride, pride we overstate our own value at the expense of the value of others. We devalue others. We have to. 
This is why it is, by the way, that somebody will talk down to somebody else because they want to lift themselves up. They want to make themselves feel better about themselves at your expense. Typically, sadly, in a marriage relationship, the husband oftentimes will just cut down his wife, be condescending to her. I'll tell you, you'll forgive me for the bluntness with which I say this, but that's that's an insecure man. That's a man who's so insecure in who he is, especially in Christ, That he would have to do that? Cut others down to lift himself up? Come on. What Paul is saying here is, when we humble ourselves, we will then value others above ourselves. It's not that we don't have our own value, we just don't overstate that value over and above others. When we value others above ourselves, we won't just look out for our own interests, we'll also look out for the interests of others as well. And that's what Paul's saying here. Conversely, when we have selfish ambition and vain conceit, we fancy ourselves and our interests as being above everyone else's, more important than anybody else's. Well, this brings us to the last one in verses 5 through 11. And it has to do with our relationship with others. And very interesting, verses 5 through 11, some regard them as a hymn of the early church. And the reason is, is because Paul ever so beautifully and eloquently describes our relationship with others in the light of Jesus Christ, having the same mind, mindset of Jesus Christ. The perfect, I mean the perfect example of humility, the personification of humility. This is God incarnate we're talking about, and He humbled Himself. Willingly becoming a man, going to the cross, to his death. And I like how Paul says it. There's sort of this delineation to his death. Even a cross, the most disgraceful and shameful way to die. That's our example. I'm not going to compare myself with you, nor should you ever compare yourself with me. That's not the plumb line, so to speak. The plumb line is Jesus the Christ, the perfection of humility, the personification of humility. You know, I'm struck by how in the Gospels, Jesus was so meek, and I say that word carefully because we make meek synonymous with weak. And nothing could be further from the truth. Meekness is power under control. Jesus was meek. Jesus was not weak. But I just see the humility of the Savior being such that little children who could be so easily intimidated were so attracted to Him. 
flock to him. This is God incarnate. Fully God, fully man. And these little children, in fact, they couldn't stay away from him. Jesus would even have to rebuke his disciples for forbidding the children to approach him and come to him. What was it about the Savior that was so attractive, so inviting, that little children would want to approach him and be around him? Man, when I approach little children, they run from me. I think I look scary. I don't know, but (laughs) Jesus is our ultimate and perfect example when it comes to humbling himself and dying on the cross for our sins. I want you to think this through with me. I'm going to close with this question. and I think it's one for which we would all do well to answer. Let me preface it this way, though. If humility is the answer to resolving conflict between enemies and even bring about reconciliation between enemies, then wouldn't it stand to reason that Jesus humbling himself was the ultimate answer to reconciling man to God? Can you connect those dots with me? In other words, if humility is the answer that brings about reconciliation in the context of a marriage conflict, how much greater was Jesus in his humility the answer to the sin problem bringing about reconciliation between mankind and God? You see how that connects? Here's the question, and we'll close. What conflict, what disagreement that I currently have with someone could instantly, and I want to use that word instantly, could instantly be resolved and reconciled were I but to simply humble my Self. Maybe I need to add the word first. You know, sometimes God will say, Seek ye first. Again, I think about what Oswald Chambers said. It's not, Have I been wronged? The question is, Have I wronged? Certainly I have. Thanks for tuning in today to In Spirit and Truth. Join us next time to continue studying the Apostle Paul's letter to the church in Philippi, along with Pastor J.D. You'll learn how modeling your life after Jesus will change how you interact with people around you and why it's important to show the world the love and grace of Christ. As His light shines through you, people will begin to wonder why, and it just might lead to conversations that can change a life forever. If you'd like to hear more messages from Pastor J.D. Farag, you'll be able to find them on our website at inspiritandtruthradio.com. We'd love to connect with you too, so come be part of our social media community. Follow the links on our website to our Facebook or Twitter pages where you can add your thoughts 
to the conversations while filling your news feed with encouragement and useful information. If you're in the area, you're invited to come join us in person at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe for our weekly worship services. We get together every Sunday at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. or come by on Thursday at 7 p.m. for an in-depth time of Bible study. Directions can be found on our website. Again, that's in spiritandtruthradio.com. If you can't join us in person, we hope you'll find a local church community soon that you can call home. Having a supportive and biblically-based church family is an incredible asset in your faith experience, as well as a place where you can be a blessing to others. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks again for joining us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth. Holy me true to you.